0: on this for quite a while. What do you say on Easter? It's the typical message, right? Easter Sunday morning, talk about the resurrection of Jesus. And I will do that, uh, trying to do it in a way that makes sense. I do challenge myself. I love a good debate. So I've always been that way. I like to find people who don't believe. I love to hear their side of the story because it. I, it tends to sharpen me for what I believe. So I never push a debate, I never tell people that say they don't believe what I believe. And I've had several this year, over the last 365 days, friends of mine that have tapped out. And by that I mean they just don't see the reason for God, they don't, they don't believe, they don't understand, uh, it's religion, it's... so I will say what I'm going to share today is personal because I can name two people I know that have just said I, I no longer profess Christianity and then they tell the reasons why and we try to talk about it. So I do know this, that we're all here today maybe excited about Easter but we also live on a planet where not everybody believes this farcical story and it is rather farcical. It's about a guy named Jesus that was a Jew that lived 2,000 years ago. He died. So they say, put him in a grave. Three days later, he comes out. From the day he came out, there was a story, fake news going around. Somebody stole his body. So there's that story. There's the story that he really didn't raise up. There's the story that his disciples felt so stupid that they stole his body and faked it. And so there is that out there. I think it's legit that You know, if you bought into this story and you sold your life to it for three years and then it tanks, you know, you don't want to go home and go, well, we look stupid. So I think it's fair that they could have stole this body and hid it and then started this story rolling. My only issue with that is that's hard to sell for 2000 years. (laughs) You can sell it for a month. About the time your stupidity wears off, it's like, let's go do something else. So it does make me think that that's not a great argument because I don't think you can sell a fake story for 2,000 years. Now, yes, if the God of the fake story is giving you jet airplanes and cars and houses, maybe, but most of the people who followed him up to American Christianity got nothing but death. And so I find that hard to believe, that it's hard to... Believe a fake story when somebody's got a knife at your throat or gonna burn you in oil. I Just think most people tap out if it's not true but if it's genuine and Something happened on this day when these women came and said he's not there It would have to mean that this is just my my theory. So I'm not saying I it's fact But my theory it would have to have been so true to the original people that saw it that they were willing to die for it and pass it to the next generation. And that was so powerful that we're what? 2,000 years beyond, so that's several generations beyond. And we're still here talking about it. Now here's the funny thing. Nobody got paid to do the story. It's like, all right, everybody, it wasn't multi-level marketing. All right, the first people on the ground floor, man, you guys are gonna. It was basically you get nothing but death. So go tell everybody. Nobody gets paid. Now, I know now, 2,000 years later, we get paid. We, we, we get money. We get titles. We get prelate, bishop, apostle, prophetess, prophetess junior. We, we've got the titles now, so it does kind of feel good because now I can get a title. I get preferred parking. Come on, somebody. Mm. <laughs> I get a green room with a bunch of snacks in it. So when Robin and I moved here, I said, I don't ever want to be that way. I said, I got in it for free, and I don't want preferred parking in a green room. I took my offices in the basement. It's a good place for me. They hide me there. <laughs> and, but I did it purposefully, because I always want to remind myself that the story is bigger than my ego, and the story's bigger that if anybody pays me, I'm gonna tell it anyway. And so I would like to share with you something I've picked up that I hope blesses you today. It's in John chapter 2, so it's not the typical resurrection story. It's pre-resurrection story, but it's so powerful that Jesus is going to allude to his death. We pick it up in John chapter 2. It was nearly time for the Jewish Passover celebration means nothing to you and I here. Jewish Passover celebration is their biggest feast of the year. You were you were crazy if you didn't attend this. Every Jewish kid was required to be here. We would call it our Easter. It's why you're here today. Somebody dressed you up, got you out, and said, if no other day, you're going today. (laughs) That's what mother wants. Just get out of bed and go. Well, that's kind of the way this was. It goes all the way back to the book of Exodus, and it was required as a Jew that you would attend this. So it's really not optional. Today, you had options to come today. Here, there's not many options. So when it says a Jewish Passover celebration, everybody's buzzing. It took them back to when they had come out of slavery. So it's a big day for them. And Jesus shows up at this big day. And in the temple area, he saw merchants selling cattle, sheep, doves for sacrifices. So what we do know about this religious holiday is everybody's passionately moving toward it. We've got business things going on, some multi-level marketing. People are selling cattle. And the reason they're doing it, they're selling that stuff to make the celebration even better. They're not trying to make it worse. They're trying to make it easier for you. Meaning you don't have to go down to some farm and try to buy an animal. Just come here. We'll sell the animal for you. It was kind of pre-coffee shop before there was a coffee shop. You just come, we've got it all for you. We got some animals, what do you want? You know, they're not selling coffee, they're selling cattle. You could just show up and go, hey, I need a sheep. Eh, they'd give you the sheep. You'd walk in here, we'd go, eh, eh, eh. We'd kill it, bleed it out, and you could go home. What a great church service, right? <laughs> now we give you coffee and go, please come. Then you just, there was blood everywhere and dead animals everywhere. That's before PETA existed. God we couldn't even be a Jew today for PETA. We couldn't be killing them. But that would be weird. Like if you showed up today and there's birds everywhere, guts everywhere, and you just walked in in your Easter and you're, you're sitting there holding your little chicken. You're like, don't, don't you get that blood on you. That's a brand new dress. Right? So that's what's going on. It's just a little different, but it is a high energy celebration. So there's dead things, there's blood everywhere, they're shouting, they're selling, everybody's buzzing. And so Jesus saw dealers at the tables exchanging foreign money. Jesus made a whip from some ropes and he chased them all out. He drove out the sheep, well, there goes my hope, my cattle and scattered the money changers, coins all over the floor and turned over their tables. So uh, I kind of make a joke, this is not baby kissing Jesus, this is table flipping Jesus. Never get too comfortable with the the Jesus that kisses babies because at any given moment he might flip your table a little bit. And then going over to the people who sold the doves, he told them, get these things out of here. Stop turning my father's house into a marketplace. And his disciples remembered the prophecy from the scripture, and this was the scripture, passion for God's house will consume me. So now he tells us that I'm really passionate, you guys have messed the house up here. I I really see all your celebrations. I see everything you're doing. I'm really giddy for you. I think y'all are giddy. You're all making money. Everybody feels good. But listen, you guys have messed this up so bad that Jesus kind of intimates in a very angered way, a righteous anger, I guess, and he just cleans house. So this is my thought. It appears to me that Jesus isn't all too impressed with our religious celebrations. I think we are. Right. Like, I think we got up and we're all dressed up today, but it would make me think this. But what if he shows up and goes, Look, y'all don't impress me at all? Right. And I'm like, but Jesus, we got the best coffee in the world. And he goes over to Marlene's coffee shop, PAP, hits the coffee out of her hand. We're like, Who is that? Get him out of here. He's of the devil. Then he walks over and looks at the nice little patio that I painted so well. Black! Who painted it black? That's of sin. Oh, Jesus, are you having a bad day? (laughs) Then he walks in here. It's too loud in here! Rock and roll, guitars and drums are of the devil. However, when the preacher sang acapella, I was blessed. (laughs) That was just for old people. I sang cappella for the old ones. You're welcome. <laughs> A little off pitch, but you're welcome. <laughs> but I think the lie of religion is we think Jesus is glad we're here today. We think he's happy we dressed up and showed up. And I often wonder if he's as giddy about us as we think he is. Because I don't mind selling giddy Jesus, oh, he loves you regardless, oh, he's just glad you're here, oh, but I cannot get away from the Jesus that goes, yeah, I I, I was giddy, but not right now, I'm a little ticked off at all of you, because you've turned everything I did into a religious celebration that means nothing anymore. It's nothing more than eggs and chocolate and hiding eggs and bunny rabbits and dresses and hats and some special program that y'all call Easter. And if you're a conspiracy theory, that's even of the devil anyway. So then we have to go, well, we don't call it Easter. That's some foreign God. We call it Resurrection Sunday like that made Jesus happy. Like Jesus is like, finally, y'all quit calling it Easter. I can be happy now. I think it's silly. And I think the reason maybe so many people are deconstructing and so many people's lives are a wreck is we've sold the religious celebration rather than the reality of the resurrection. The scripture goes on to say this is the same story. The Jewish leaders demanded, what are you doing? If God gave you the authority to do this, show us a miraculous sign, prove it. All right, Jesus replied, destroy the temple and in three days I'll raise it up. What, they claim? It's taken us 46 years to build this temple. And you think you can rebuild it in three days? But when Jesus said this temple, he meant his own body. Now here's here's my take. This is what I said. This is the resurrection story. In this moment where Jesus is flipping tables. He's running everybody out the door, their biggest religious celebration. He's messed it all up. People have lost business money. People have lost money. They've got animals they can't sell now. Uh, All the religious leaders are mad because they're not gonna get the money they thought they were gonna get on this big day because lots of money comes in. So it's just everything's buzzing. People are ticked off now. Religious leaders are mad at him. In that situation, he pulls it all into this thing called resurrection. And this is what he says to them. After he was raised from the dead, his disciples remembered he said this. And they believed. So this is what it tells me. They didn't believe when he was in the middle of it. They probably thought, what in the Sam Hill has gotten into him? And everybody's going to think he's looney tunes. Why did you do that? We we were making headway until you went off in some panic attack and started flipping tables. So I don't think his disciples were too giddy about it. I think maybe a little ba- embarrassed they were because it says they didn't even connect the dots until he was raised from the dead. Then they connected the dots. That what he was saying on that day reminded us that he would rise from the dead. And then it says, and they believed. Now at that moment when it says they believed, something interesting happened. It must have been so powerful his resurrection that what they believed caused them to pass it down beyond their frustrations, beyond their um, embarrassment, beyond their quirks. Because every one of them had been embarrassed, every one of them had tucked tail and ran, every one of them had failures, every one of them were human beings. But something so potent must have happened when Jesus raised from the dead and then they believed that moment that here we sit today still talking about it. But my challenge is this. I think we do better as religious celebrants than resurrected converts. I think we do this perfected, especially in America. We, we have planning centers so we can schedule everybody who's going to open a door, parking lot people, biscuits and gravy people, usher people, for your people, communion table people, people who pray for people, the guitar people, the drummer person. Not people, we only have one drummer. The drummer person, that's a shout out for more drummers. (laughs) The singers, production people, lighting people, elders, people to count, people to, oh, we do it well. We do it really well. We do it with excellence. We want you to walk out the door and go, dude, that was impressive. But it's not us impressing you that keeps you in the game. We can only impress you so much. And as my father told me years ago, however you get them in the door, you have to keep that game going to keep them in the door. So just let God bring them in the door. Then you don't have to worry about it. I think we're so good at it. We know how to manipulate people. We know how to get you in the door. We know how to close a sermon out. We know how to get you to feel a little guilty. We know how to get you to pray the prayer. We've been doing it so long that we are perfected religious celebrants. We know the songs to sing. We know exactly the time frame. I know exactly what time I need to get you out of here to flip it over and bring a whole nother group of people in. So even though it may feel like it's real great at this moment, I got a clock that's screaming at me. And in about 20 minutes, a whole other group of people's running in the door. And then you can say, well, preacher, just keep on a preaching. Yes, that's romantic if you're here. But if you're looking for a parking lot, you're like, why does that preacher always go long? So you can't really win. But when, when we're trying to perfect the celebration, we end up with lives that aren't changed. And when you have lives that aren't changed, you end up with sloppy religion. And when you have sloppy religion, people start tapping out when it gets hard. And We're the generation that has to keep it going. So 50 years down the road somebody stands up and goes I don't even know why God saved me, but somebody told me about a man named Jesus Or are we the generation that taps out? So the question and I put a question mark How do you know the difference if you're just a religious celebrant or you're a resurrected convert? Is there a metric that we can judge that the way we dress, the way we sing, how much money we give. What, what is it that separates the two? What, what is it that would make Jesus so angry that everybody who's religiously celebrating, he would flip the tables and run them all off and destroy the celebration? He run the celebration. And they're mad at him, literally angry with him. They even say this, who gave you that authority to do that? Who said you could mess this up? We've been doing this for thousands of years. And you come in with your audacity to mess this thing up? We have perfected this celebration. We're so good at it in America, we let you know two weeks prior it's coming. We put it on Instagram. We put it on Facebook. We send you text messages seven times to remind you. We walk in the door, we sing, we either go good or bad, we either go that was a great message or I'd rather go somewhere else, great. At the end of the day, I wonder if it's just nothing more than another day on the calendar where we got really excited about something that made us feel a little better about ourselves, but are we really converted? Did it really change me? Because my belief is you don't show up if you're not changed. You don't stay in the game if you've not met resurrection. So I got to about Tuesday with this and just felt like, all right, so, so why? Like, what, how would I know? Is it because you quit smoking? If you were a smoker, you quit looking at porn. If you were a porn addict, you quit doing meth. If you were a meth addict, what if you were just a jerk husband and you met Jesus? Is it because you quit being a jerk? Like, how do we know what we're measuring? How do I know that I'm a convert versus just a celebrant? Do you have to hang out with me long enough to know? Is it only when life hits hard that I say I still believe? Is that, is that what I'm measuring? Like, did it, when Robin got cancer a few years ago, because I still believe in Jesus, is that the difference in a convert and a celebrant? Because if I was a celebrant, I'm tapping out like, you didn't heal me, so I'm out. I've served you my whole life, and you let this happen to my wife? A celebrant will tap out. What do you mean I served you and you let my kid die? What? You let my wife die in a car wreck? You let my husband leave me? I'll say this about celebrants. They're in when it's good, and they're hard to find when it's not. But a convert, you can't beat them away. They have scars on them, they have tear stained pillows. Their knees are tired from praying. They've got wins and losses in their column. Oh, but they're not tapping out. They're not tapping out. They've been hurt by preachers, but they're not tapping out. They've had Christians not speak to them and gossip about them, but I'm not tapping out. They've been lied about by people who are Christians. They hate hypocritical Christians, but they're not blaming that. They're not a victim. No, they don't tap out. They're a convert. Victims tap out. Celebrants are victims. They're always looking for the reason, the excuse, the problem, the irritation, the hurt, the frustration. They're always posting about it, looking for it, whining about it, gossiping about it. Because their energy is built on how good life is. And the moment it goes south, we're posting. I just don't even understand. I was ever... Trump gets elected. We're celebrating. Biden gets elected. We're celebrating. Obama gets elected. We're celebrating. Then we find out Obama was Antichrist. Oh, get him out. Then Trump got in. No, he's Antichrist. It doesn't matter who you pick. They're all the Antichrist, right? It doesn't matter. Just the other team is mad at the other team. You like this one. Ooh, he's a savior. No, he's Antichrist. You like this. Ooh, he's a savior. No, he's Antichrist. What? Because most Christians are celebrants. They're Republicans and Democrats, not converts. Most Christians are celebrants. They're church attenders, not converts. Most Christians are celebrants. They share other people's testimonies because they don't have one themselves. They're not converts. They're celebrants. My opinion, again, it's an opinion, Jesus would just soon turn this on its end and be done with it. Either get in or get out. Because when you celebrate, only you mess the thing up. I need converts. So I got stuck there. This was Tuesday. I'm like, oh gosh, it's coming. I got to have something. I hate Easter. I mean, no, I don't. No, I don't. I love Easter. Right? I, you said, oh, God, I hate Easter. It's so stressful. No, no, I don't. I love Easter. Then I start feeling bad. Like, oh, Robin, you want to preach? He's like, don't you do that to me. <laughs> Somebody asked me this morning, I said, are you ready? I said, no, I'm not ready. It's Easter. I could blow it. It's the Super Bowl, I hear. They put me in for quarterback, and I'm like, I got to gimp hip. I don't want to. <laughs> so if I don't get a touchdown today it's the coach's fault I'm just gonna leave it at that (laughs) so I went to Acts chapter 10 and what I thought about was how would I know I'm a convert and not a celebrant and I chose to pick Peter because he was there and I kind of like him and I think I've figured out what it could be Acts 10 verse 1 in Caesarea there lived a Roman officer named Cornelius who was captain of an Italian regiment without taking up too much time I highlighted the word Italian because what's about to happen is mind blowing because God is going to pick an Italian to stir a Jew and a Jew can't stand an Italian they might be cousins But they're not close so God is going to determine is my guy Peter who I'm going to build the church on a celebrant or a convert so God is going to do something mind-blowing God is going to touch the very core of Peter's being by giving him a vision about an Italian guy This Italian guy, Cornelius, was a devout, God-fearing man. As was everyone in his household, he gave generously to the poor. He played regularly to God. One afternoon, about three o'clock, he had a vision in which he saw an angel of God coming toward him. Cornelius, the angel said. And Cornelius stared at him in terror. What is it, sir? he asked the angel. And the angel replied, your prayers and gifts to the poor have been received by God as an offering. Now send men to Joppa. And summon a man named Simon Peter. So at this moment, when the angel tells the Italian dude, go get the Jewish dude. What we're going to determine is the Jewish dude highlighted in green, a celebrant or a convert. Because a celebrant is going to tap out. Because one thing I know about racism, it runs deep. Y'all got real quiet. Come on, don't act like you don't live in the South. It runs deep. And the next day, Cornelius messengers were nearing the town. And Peter, there's the yellow Cornelius, Italian, Peter, green. He's the Jew. He went up on the flat roof and began to pray. It was about noon and he was hungry. But while a meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. I, I often laugh at this because I often say sometimes religious people are so stubborn, the only way God can get your attention is to put you asleep and give you a dream. Because your religious celebration is so thick, God can't get it through your skull. So he has to put you asleep and give you a dream. He saw the sky opening, something like a large sheet was let down by four corners. And in the sheet, there were all sorts of animals. Reptiles and birds, the very thing Jesus uh, ran out of the temple, remember? Self-reptiles, they could have been there. And then a voice said to him, get up, Peter, kill and eat them. No, Lord. Is that not comical that a human instructs God of what I ain't going to do? Now, I would like to say in my religious celebrant attire, I will preach on the day of Pentecost to a bunch of Jews. On the day of Pentecost, I will pray in tongues and say, this is that prophesied by Joel, because I know the scripture. But you want me, a Jew, to go talk to an Italian? No. No, not going to do it. So at this juncture of the story, we realize Peter is a great Jewish religious celebrant, but God is looking for resurrected converts. He says, I've never eaten anything. I'm too holy. I'm too good. I'm better than everybody else. I Nothing that our jewish laws have declared impure in other words. I'm a legalistic puritan. I don't smoke I don't drink. I don't chew. I don't even hang around those that do it. I don't have a tattoo Come on somebody But I'm not about to do what you want me to do. I'm willing to go all the way to 99. But 100, no, I'm tapping out at racism. I'm tapping out at another culture and another race. I don't mind celebrating, don't mind preaching, don't mind quoting the Bible, don't mind prophesying, don't mind speaking in tongues, don't mind going to my Jewish temple to obey my Jewish laws. But how dare you, God of heaven, touch something in me that is not you. That was all my... If I wrote the Bible, it would have read that way. (laughs) (laughs) That's why I didn't write it. But I love reading it. But the voice spoke again. Don't you call something. It's like a dad and a kid. Don't you call you call something unclean if God has made it clean the same vision was repeated three times I don't have time to go into this but it is a deep thought three days Jesus was in the ground three times Jesus was tempted three stones in Jesus's breast plate that weren't in Lucifer's and three times he had to tell the guy three times he had to tell the guy three times he had to tell the guy because sometimes religious celebrate people miss the power of the resurrection I know we often say, now now Peter denied him three times and Jesus said, do you love me, do you love me, do you love me three times? I'm good with that. I don't have a problem. But but that, that was cool. That was about love. That was about the love of Jesus. This is not about love. This is about repentance. Are you willing to do what I've asked you to do? Because that's what I mean by a convert. I don't care about your opinion, I don't care what you think, I don't care what your feelings are, I don't care what gender you want me to think I should have created you, I'm here to tell you I have a way and I have a will, I want to know do you want to do it. If you don't want to do my will, you're nothing but a religious celebrant, but if you want to do my will, you will be a resurrected convert, and resurrected converts is a very narrow way And I believe in 2023, we have religious celebrants and very few resurrected converts. We have everybody debating 2,000 years worth of scripture. So Peter, verse 17, was very perplexed. What could it mean? Just then they sent for Cornelius. They found him in Simon's house and standing outside the gate, they asked if a man named Simon Peter was staying there. So Peter went down and said, well, I am the man you're looking for. Why did you come? And they said, we've been sent by Cornelius, who is what? An Italian. So the Jew said, why did you come to my house? The Italian guy said, well, we're here for Cornelius. He's a devout and God-fearing man, well-respected by all the Jews. A holy angel instructed him to come summon you to his house so you can hear the message. Is it not funny? God could have picked anybody. Hello? He had, watch, he had an angel... Why couldn't the angel just say, hey, you need to believe in Jesus? I mean, come on, if you're going to send the dude an angel, why are you telling him to come get me? You could have bypassed my racist attitude and pulled that off yourself. (coughs) But so powerful, the angel instructed him because God wanted to show us, I believe, what it means to be converted. It goes on and says, as Peter entered the home of Cornelius, Cornelius fell at his feet and worshiped him. Peter pulled him up and said, stand up, I'm just a human being just like you. And they talked together and went inside where many others were assembled. And Peter told them, oh gosh, watch. You know it's against our laws for a Jewish man to enter a Gentile home and associate with you. You black people go to your church, you white people go to your church, you Hispanics go to yours. We will meet up on the ball field Friday night and cheer with each other. But by God, don't bring your kind into my kind and my kind to your kind. You build your HOA subdivisions, we will build ours. Oh my God, here comes the black people, it's going downhill. Oh my God, here comes the white people, it's going downhill. Oh my God, it's an election cycle. Let's all hate each other now because we're so divided. The reason we're so divided in the church is we're, re- we're, we're literally religious celebrants and not converts. And I'm not proposing we all go to church and mix it up and go, woo, look at us, we're such a mixed congregation. Sometimes that's just arrogant pride. It's not about where I go to church, it's about what's in my heart. And i've grown up in the south long enough i grew up in the south i grew up in alabama i was there when my town when the kkk marched i have listened to people for years and years and years we do not mind being together but don't marry each other you marry a white you marry a black oh god don't ever let them come together and marry and ruin the whole breed and have some kind of half breed kid oh no and then jesus paid it all except my racist thoughts All to him I freely give I thank God I am white better than you all Jesus Who wants to be part of that crap Who (laughs) Because we live in a country where every four years we elect a president they stir us up and we all get angry at each other and republicans and democrats start rising up in christians and we forget we're converts and we become celebrants and we just argue and gripe and gripe and argue rather than coming together going don't we know we're part of a different kingdom we're part of a different kingdom care who they elect I serve a king that sits on a throne and what I know is whoever got in was his will so shut up and get over it and let's build the kingdom of God quit whining we're either converts or we're celebrants and I think the world is tired of religious celebrants we faked it long enough and it's not touching anybody anymore It's time we either realize, oh, it's against my law. I can't worship with you. I can't fellowship with you. I can't associate with you. You would think we're a little beyond that. And then we say, well, we are. We go, but I'm not talking about are we like in the same locale? I'm talking about the religious convert is the hidden things in your heart have been dealt with. I'm not talking about whether you're racist or not. I'm talking about you're a religious celebrant because you still gossip. You're a religious celebrant because you're still hooked on porn. You're a religious celibate because you're still a jerk to your wife. You're not a convert. You're the same person all the time and you sing the songs and you give the money, but your heart never changes. And this is the story. He said, but God, come on, somebody say, but God, God. come on. You better, but God, but God, amen, but God has shown me. Oh, that tells me a convert, a religious convert is somebody that says, oh, I got these feelings, but God, oh, I want to be angry, but God. Oh, I want to be a victim, but God, I want to be mad at them, but God, I want to keep getting drunk, but God, I want to keep going to the clubs, but God, I want to sleep with the same sex, but God, I want to have sex with my girlfriend before marriage, but God, it's a, but God that makes me a convert. When I don't say, but God has shown me, I'm just a religious celebrant. I just want to show you what I believe. I don't want to know what God believes. I don't want to be forced with his ideas and his will and his ways. And then it says this, verse 29 so I came without objection. Well, that's a lie. What do you, did you, were you not in your own story? Do I need to go back and reread it? I came without objection no I, that's why his wife wasn't in the room had his wife been there she would have been like what did you just say without objection it took God three times with you saying no because it's hard for a religious celebrant to realize they're wrong we're always right because it's about what I feel and what I think and he says, now tell me why I've sent for you. One thing is certain. This is what I wrote. This is my ending. About the resurrection of Jesus. If you truly believe, it will destroy any hint of religion and call you to repent. Amen. It's about God and my time is up the phone this ring. <laughs> See how good I'm right on time, man. It's like, in and yes, I did it. I got through in time. Yes. And she's back there. I knew the preacher should be done. Yes. <laughs> but do you know what I want you to go out with today? Not that we sang your favorite song or you laughed or I want you to go out asking, do you live a, but God showed me life or do you live for yourself and your ways? Do you live your husband ways, your wife ways, your religious ways, your family ways, your fleshly ways? Or would you say, but God. Band, would you come? Would you stand up with me if you will today?